0: Before we start this episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors. If you're studying for the Foreign Service Officer Test like
1: us, we have a great study tool for you.
0: Besides listening to our podcast, we also use FSO Compass.
1: On FSO Compass, you can find practice tests for every section, comprehensive courses that guide you through the entire application process, And you can even
0: connect with other aspiring U.S. diplomats. The resources have really helped us prepare, and we hope they help you too. To access FSO Compass and get 10% off your annual subscription, be sure to use the link in our description box. Good luck!
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of How Did We Not Know That? I'm Nat. I'm
0: Jack.
2: And I'm (laughs) Esteban. The last sort of model that TRE discusses is the out-of-pocket model. So, I mean, it's it's very transparent and uh, mostly available in developing countries. And I think, I mean, there's only about 50 richer countries across the world that have actually establish healthcare systems, but really most of the countries in the world have an out-of-pocket model. So, I mean, it's as simple as it sounds. Only those who have money for healthcare can afford to access and pay for it. Um, so, who's paying for it? It's out-of-pocket, and who's providing it? Um, really a combination uh, of private private care providers. Um, so, this is something you might see in, like, a rural African country. Um, and... Uh, I guess, really not great health equity there.
0: Do you know the model for specifically like Senegal and China? Because I got healthcare in Senegal and China. And I thought first off, China was a trip that was like the emergency room, but it was affordable. And I did get the care I needed. It just was inefficient and not as clean as the United States. But Senegal was really good. So I don't know. And it was like very affordable. Is What model do they have? Is that out of pocket maybe?
2: Yeah, I think like off the top of my head, um, I don't think China has um, a, system, a healthcare system uh, that is able to or like has even decided to try to cover everyone in the country. So it's more of an out of pocket model. So maybe the healthcare costs are lower, but you need the money to pay for them because there's no sort of government association or even insurance companies that are super established with providing care for everyone. And then Senegal, I would uh, think the same, but I don't know off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. I can't imagine, like, especially China, there's so many people. There's like 1.3 billion people. So I can't imagine, like, them being able to use, like, any other model to, like, cover every citizen. Yeah. That would be a lot. That'd be
0: a tough one.
2: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I think people talk a lot about uh, the large, like Brazil, India, China, and Russia, who are all going to surpass us a lot in population yeah. and how they're going to deal with healthcare systems. But a lot of it right now is sort of uh, up in the air and sort of out of the pocket, out of po- sort of the out-of-pocket model for most people.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that kind of why, I guess, the United States healthcare compared to other developed countries is lacking? Could it be due to our population size?
2: Yeah. So you're, I mean, that's like the ultimate question, right? Like why is America's healthcare costs so expensive, even though... We're the richest country in the world. And I mean, like, why is America have why does America have worse health outcomes than other countries that we've talked about today? Um, and I think the answer to that is the reason really is that America employs all these types of models in various ways. So I think it's just a regulation of I mean or or really like an organization of using so many different models in the US that it ends up being very expensive in administrative costs. But also there are people who are left or falling into different gaps and trying to organize so many different models for one country. Um, so it's not a one size fit all in the U.S. And I think that's why it's so expensive. Um, so depending really where you fall in American society, uh, and trying to get access to healthcare providers, you receive different treatment and care. And I really think it's this disorganization of our national healthcare system that leads to high spending per capita, and also eventually worse health outcomes compared to other developed countries. Cause you have millions of people being left behind without health insurance that, um, Really speak to a lot in those statistics, and I mean, even for example, like we don't go to the doctor as much as uh, people do in other in other richer countries for preventative healthcare treatments, Um, and even with each visit that we do, we pay more. So I guess it might be helpful to expand a bit about how the U.S. healthcare system employs all of these models, Um, so we can take a a look at some of the types of people treated in each sector, and I mean, maybe even some listeners might be able to identify where they they fit in here. Um, So. The first model we talked about, the beverage model of healthcare. care. So Native Americans in the U.S., uh, veterans and active duty military personnel are covered by the beverage model of health care, similar to what you would find by the National Health Service in Britain. So you never receive a bill for your treatment. You're treated by the government, by government hospitals and employees and the government buys the pills and they really cover sort of the costs and the per- providing the, the care. So that's sort of maybe the, the type of people that you might find utilizing the beverage model of health care in the U.S. Whereas the Bismarck model, which is what we talked about second in Germany, um, provided by health insurance companies. So this is really mostly the majority of Americans. So sort of the working person splitting your insurance premium with your employer, if that sounds familiar, um, or if you're self-employed and buying into a health insurance program. These are sort of more similar to the Bismarck model of healthcare, care, similar to France and Germany. Um, I think about 150 to 160 million Americans receive care through this route. But again, the big difference here is that our insurance companies aren't heavily regulated. We even have for-profit insurance companies in the U.S. still, which sort of blows my mind. I mean, are you putting the money back into uh, providing the best care for people or are you providing dividends for people on a monthly basis? So, I mean, the regulation in America really lacks in terms of health insurance companies compared to countries like France and Germany. Um, And then talking about, I mean, if you're over 65 and you're getting insurance in the U.S. through a government run program called Medicare, uh, you're a person experiencing something similar to Canada, like the national health insurance model. Um, And I think more than 40 million Americans are on this model in our system, sort of the aging uh, population. And then uh, if you're part of the nearly 30 million uninsured Americans in the U.S. right now, you're like a person living in a developing country in rural Africa or South America because you're using sort of the out-of-pocket model. Um, that we discussed earlier. So I guess what T.R. Reid talks about a lot in his book, and I'm like a huge plug for this book, The Healing of America by T.R. Reid, is that he is able to, I mean, bring up like, what's the main difference between us and other countries around the globe? Um, And he mentions that all other countries have decided to pursue one fundamental model. So it's not a mix of all these systems and rules and models and administrative costs, like trying to figure out who's providing your care and, and who's going to pay for it. Um, So I think like, that's the advantage of using a one-size-fits-all healthcare system, especially in the U.S., um, because it becomes simpler and cheaper to manage. There's a set of rules and prices that are set by a governing body. Um, there's cost and transparency. Um, so if you you go to the doctor and you, you want a medical procedure uh, done, they can tell you how much it's going to cost, because right now, I mean, if I went to the emergency room and I don't know, needed stitches and asked how much it would cost, they would say, well, I don't know, like, who do you, who's your health insurance provider? I don't know how much they're going to cover. Um, they won't be able to tell you versus like having a system where you have that, that price schedule um, and they can tell you exactly how much it's going to cost, who they're going to charge, who's going to pay for it. Um, and then also I, I've mentioned administrative costs. So that's sort of a, a vague term. Um, but I guess to expand on that, it's, it's a lot of like the paperwork in the backside of deciding who has health insurance who's charging their health insurance company. Um, and in the US, I mean, the statistic is that uh, there's about an 18 to 25% cost and just administrative costs to every bill that they pay for medical procedures. Um, and what other countries have found using one single model is they are able to keep these administrative costs low. So I mean, Canada has a 5% administrative cost, Britain is 5%, um, France is 3%. And I think Taiwan keeps it below 2% of administrative costs versus the U S who is spending a lot more money in these terms of, in terms of just trying to organize and balance all these different, um, systems.
1: Yeah. It seems like, like how I can't even imagine trying to regulate everything in our healthcare system because there's like, there's so many different models and it's like, I guess, uh, it just, your healthcare and your, like health insurance experience depends, on where you are in society and like it's so different for each person it's like how can you expect to regulate that if there's like four different models I guess um each person has a different yeah.
2: I think yeah. just like one of the I mean what's what's crazy about our healthcare system right now is I mean if you're covered under something like medicare um and you're receiving the same exact procedure uh, doctors receive less um for the procedure when your provider is medicare because it's being paid out by the government But if you have private health insurance, they're able to charge your private health insurance company more. So the private health insurance company is paying more for the same procedure than um, a government paid out. Version of Medicare.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that's wild. Can you talk about the pros and cons of Obamacare? Because one of my friends from Spain is talking to me and he was talking about healthcare. This was before I had any idea about what the healthcare system is like in America. And he was complaining about the American healthcare system and he was like, Obamacare. I mean, Spain had that like way back in the 1800s. Da, da, da. You guys are so far behind. So, What was Obamacare? He was saying it was like a first step towards getting better health care. What are the pros and cons? Why do people complain about it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think every American has this question and Obamacare is always thrown out there, you know. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, I'm definitely not an expert on the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, but I can just share a little bit of my own perspectives on like what it brought um, and maybe what your friend was mentioning in Europe. So, I mean, off the bat, something that comes to mind is um, I've mentioned private health care insurance companies in Germany and France. Uh, can, can't deny you coverage based on pre-existing conditions. Um, so in the U.S. before the Affordable Care Act was passed, um, I mean, here's an anecdotal story that was shared in T.R. Reed's book and something that was like very vivid and I, I remember so well because it took like, I mean, I was just like blown away that this existed in the U.S. Um, so the story that Tiara Reed shares is um, a, a woman who had just graduated undergrad and uh, she had just gotten a new job. So uh, she was getting health insurance through her new job. Uh, but she was off of her parents' um, health insurance. So, I mean, that's another edition of the Affordable Care Act. It extended coverage on your parents' health insurance until you are 26, but before it used to be much younger. Um, so you dealt with a lot of young people who were uninsured. But anyway, so she, she got this new job, but then um, she came down with symptoms of, of lupus. Um, and because lupus took a really heavy toll on her life, she lost her job. So losing her job, she lost her health insurance, um, and in Europe, like I mentioned, in France and Germany, if this happened to you, the government would step in and pay your premium for you so that you still have health insurance for health care. But in her case, that she wasn't making anything because she was laid off. So she applied for um, Medicaid uh, for low income uh, in the U.S. And she was getting some basic coverage through Medicaid, but she was having to go to particular doctors who could treat lupus, which weren't her initial uh, physicians that she was getting through um, her employer paid insurance, so she had to change her provider, uh, which had a huge toll on sort of figuring out her problem and also in her care. But once she started feeling better, she was getting the right drugs, you know, through Medicaid. Um, She ends up getting a job and then she makes too much to qualify for Medicaid. So now she's uninsured again. So she starts looking for insurance companies in the U.S. and, and before the Affordable Care Act um, they could deny her coverage based on her pre-existing condition of lupus. So she had to say, like, I have lupus and I'm looking to be covered. Um, and the insurance company could say, I don't want to take you because you're going to cost money. Um, and so they denied her coverage. She couldn't find a private health care insurance company. Um, and I believe she ended up dying very young uh, before, her, before she turned 30. But I mean, like something like this, um, one of the European models, I don't think ever would have happened because there's at least that basic um, universal coverage for people to have covered those drug costs. Um, but I mean, this is a story before the Affordable Care Act. So I mean, one, she couldn't get health insurance through her parents because she was um, too old. Uh, the Affordable Care Act esten- extended that, um, but also now you, uh, if you can pay for private health care insurance companies, they cannot deny you based on pre existing conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that uh, the Affordable Care Act did was expand Medicaid for tons of lower income individuals. So I think I mean expanded for more than twenty million people who are uninsured when they applied for the Affordable Care Act and were able to to have a marketplace for health insurance um, covering, like, purchasing their own coverage.
0: I have a question, too. So I hear a lot of complaints over Obamacare on an increase in taxes for people because they feel like they're paying out for Obamacare. Now, is that true, or is the issue lying in the fact that there's privatized health insurance companies that can control your premium? So if they now have to cover more people who have higher health risks, then they increase the premium for everyone else under the insurance?
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I always like, I think a common complaint. Um, I don't know the answer off the top of my head, um, of how directly they're impacted by like increased taxes for, um, the Affordable Care Act. Um, but I do know like when it expanded coverage, I mean, more people are being covered under this, this program that's being paid out by the government. Um, uh, but I mean, I think the response, the, my own response is just my opinion, um, is that like, I'd rather pay higher taxes now, um, than have to pay out of pocket later, uh, when you do need the care. So, I mean, if you have like a system that is covering that might as well pay it all up front because the U S still ends up paying nearly twice of what other countries are paying, um, per person, uh, every year, but it's in hidden costs that you don't think about like prescription drugs or, um, co-pays and things like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I'm already paying a ridiculous amount for my health care and it's, if I were to lose my job and if, like, before the Affordable Care Act and I lost insurance as well and I lost health coverage, it's like, well, what was all that money that I was paying before? Like, where did that go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would just like to, like, I think you mentioned it
1: earlier, but I think just a lot of Americans don't really go to the doctors or go to the hospital like for preventative measures uh like i only go to the doctors like if it's an emergency and that was the biggest culture shock for me coming to south korea is that like here it's just so much more affordable so people just go to the hospital like all the time i know a really common thing is people will go to the hospital to get like iv treatment if they're really hungover, and like (laughs) it like barely costs them anything so like yeah, I would just like my friends would just be like, "Oh yeah, I was in the hospital this morning." And like to me, like that's just such a it was just really shocking to see how convenient and how affordable healthcare is yeah. here. Yeah. So, no, I
2: totally agree. My friend in the UK, um, yeah, no, she's shocked when she says like, "You receive a bill for your emergency room visit?" Like, I've never received oh a bill God. in my life for healthcare. But I mean, she says it does lead to like overuse of the system sometimes where people just show up in um, mm. sort of like the comparable to our urgent care with things that, I mean, could be taken care of at home. But for the most part, I mean, everyone is covered. So, I mean, something like that anecdote I just shared uh, of the woman with lupus, like that probably would never have happened in somewhere like the UK. Um, and, you yeah, know, talking about preventative care in the US, I think that's one of our biggest issues um, right now in the, our healthcare system is that it sort of like limits access for a lot of people. But I mean, even people with health insurance companies, I mean, copays that's what they're supposed to do, deter you from overusing the system. Um, but you have people who, I mean, have a an um, I mean they have an ear infection, they're like, oh, I don't really want to pay the forty dollar copay I don't want to go to urgent care right now. It'll get better. Um, and I've seen this, I mean, even shadowing physicians where a woman who had an, an ear infection didn't go because she didn't want to pay the forty dollar copay. It ended up turning into a septic infection, which is lethal, um, and had to get like tens of thousands of dollars in care. Um, when she could have just paid the $40 copay, gotten some antibiotics, and likely killed the infection before it it uh, was infecting her bloodstream. So, I mean, there are cases like this in the U.S. where, yeah, preventative care really isn't at the forefront of our values or, or something like that. But, I mean, since we're comparing all these countries, uh, it's it's important to mention, too, I mean, like, even health insurance companies in Germany and, and, and France. So, Germany's, like, competition between insurance companies is sort of benefits of what they can offer people who join their insurance companies. So, in Germany, I feel like uh, I think they they offer perks based on your preventative care. So if you go to the doctor at least once a year, you reserve a certain amount of reward points or something, huh. which are paid out in like I don't know maybe some sort of gift card compensation or something like that. What? Yeah, but I mean for the healthcare insurance company, it's very low. You're paying a I mean you're paying like a six hundred dollar premium a month and they're giving out these small incentives but i mean it's all preventative care so they're going to catch they're going to catch something before you end up uh developing a septic infection and the health insurance company has to pay out thousands of dollars for that versus just getting you those antibiotics when you need them. So, I mean, it keeps costs low for them as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Tea on that. Have you guys seen the TLC show, Dr. Pimple Popper?
2: Yes, I love that show.
0: (laughs) The reason why these people are coming in with, for lack of a better word, like these extreme skin problems is because they were probably uninsured or they were scared to go to the doctor to get it figured out when it was a small issue. And now it's huge and yeah. But I mean, that's how we got Dr. Pimple Popper.
1: (laughs) Only in America. So, yeah. So, I guess, like, what is the solution to the healthcare issue in the U.S.? Yeah, what's your opinion? How do we fix it? <laughs>
2: Great question. Something I'm like always thinking about. And um, I mean, solutions are offered by T.R. Reid in his book, "The Healing of America," as well, which a lot of my opinions come from. Um, but I, I think I mean the main issues in the U.S. right now is we we have lower health outcomes um, in comparison to these other richer countries who have other healthcare systems. Um, And we also are paying twice of what they're paying. So it's like, how do we reduce costs? And how do we extend health outcomes in our own system when we're one of the richest countries with the best medical providers, the best sort of scientific research going on and innovation and therapeutics? I think it just plays back to the beginning where like it's very expensive maintaining so many different systems in the US, um, where it creates a system that's kind of like a mystery, like you don't know how much you're gonna pay for a procedure, you don't know who's covered by what procedure because it's just very confusing on on who's providing the care, um, um, and who's paying for it. Um, so I mean, I think going forward, it's very important that we have like a set price list of how much the bill will be. So there's like that that standardized cost and transparency transparency aspect. Um, this is something that's been rolled out in countries like France and Japan. And I guess uh, just the thing about going toward like a, a single payer healthcare system in the U.S., which is a lot of what's talked about in politics right now, is that lobbying groups and healthcare companies set prices right now for a single payer system. So it's maybe something that we won't see very soon. But I think just one system that allows you to create a transparent cost and charge schedule, as well as making the like decision that we want to cover every single person living in the United States one way or one, like some way or somehow is very important. Um, And I think what's very important for me in healthcare is really expanding coverage to everyone, at least having a system that's able to provide universal healthcare coverage across the board. And I think one of the, the solutions in politics talked about right now is to expand Medicare for all. You may hear that a lot. Um, and that's essentially having the government cover all adults 65 plus and below 18, but then allowing adults to buy into the program. So the government would be essentially paying for your, your, your care. But I assume that care would still go on being provided by private um, physicians and things like that, but there would be a more transparent schedule. Um, so it would maintain coverage at a lot of participating hospitals, but it would also allow for easier access to healthcare options. And I think it's just like a transition to one sort of system or or model. Um, So it it might not reduce costs immediately, but I guess we won't know until um, it's in practice. I think that's the hard thing about the U.S. healthcare reform is that no one knows really what to do.
1: <laughs> well, then, hopefully, it can get fixed soon. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm thinking about serving in the government or the military. Get that, what is it, beverage system? The beverage yeah. system. Yeah, get that one. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like like in the yeah. UK. Yeah.
0: Get like that UK system. If any of our UK viewers are looking for a green card marriage, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up. I Add, how did we not know it. that? <laughs> Right, and send, email
1: us an email, send us an email with proposals
2: <laughs> just final thoughts I give a lot of my background knowledge and a lot of like my opinions sort of on the book by T.R. Reed and a lot of what I've watched him uh, talk because he travels across the, the world you know to learn these systems um, so if you want to know more highly recommend the book and highly recommend just looking up on looking him up on YouTube you may have you'll hear an overlap of a lot of what I've said today.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing. That was like really, really incredible. You did a really great job at giving us such a comprehensive overview of literally healthcare around the entire <laughs> entire world. It's like, man, that was really good. So thank you so much for sharing that because it makes more sense now. I always thought like healthcare, like, oh, it's so confusing. I don't understand anything, but yeah, it... The problem, I feel like the healthcare issue in the U.S. is really complex, but when you break it down into just, like, the basics, it's a lot easier to understand Absolutely. and digest.
0: I think this was a big, how did we not know that episode? How did we literally not know? Yeah. And it's one of those things that <laughs> I don't think we know growing up as children, because we don't worry about it, but after I got my first Mm. job, and then I'm paying for my healthcare, and I'm paying for my care now, it's just ridiculous. And I was complaining to my mom about how expensive healthcare is, she was like, What do you think our premium was per month? Like, what did you think our deductible was? It's thousands of dollars. And she's like, This is why I tell you if you're sick, take it a leave and sleep. Like, you're not going to the doctor.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. It's something that you don't start to think about until you're sort of like making the transition to adulthood and then you're like, Oh, this is slapping me in the face. Like, I didn't know any yeah. of this existed or how it works. <laughs> right.
0: Esteban thank you so much for being our guest we really are happy to have you thank
2: you guys for having me um I hope I was qualified enough to talk a lot about the topics today um I'm excited to have been here so thanks for that
0: this has been an episode of How Did We Not Know That? If you liked it, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also follow us on all social media, including YouTube, at How Did We Not Know That. If you thought our podcast was low quality, we know we thought so too. Help us improve the podcast by contributing to our Patreon. Thank you for listening, and see you guys next week.